when do the, when do the Stanley Cup finals usually final end? Yeah, when does the final end? Uh like like it should end. Well, I mean, if I had if I was running the league, it would end May thirtieth, like it would have ended last week. Um, but uh, in the new system, it's probably between June tenth and June fifteenth normally. Uh, in the new well, system, why is, is it? Why is the new system? What new system? Be- well, it's it's because in the last seven to ten years, NBC and now the other networks want it to go past into into the first two weeks of June. That's it's 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 U.S. network television that has pushed it. This year, Bob, it's good. It, it could go as deep as June thirtieth because of the late start, because of the pandemic, because of the Olympic break. It could go as as late as June thirtieth. It goes seven games. Well, I know I've mentioned this before, but you know, as we get set now for the final four in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, or as I prefer the NHL playoffs. Yes, but you're wrong, so that's okay. Well, there is no right and wrong, John. No, there is right. There is right, Bob. No. Yeah. No. Don't know me. That's what you usually say to me. Don't know me. <laughs> well, you can, you <laughs> the can, trademark you can copy is Stanley me all you Cup. Want. This the trademark is Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, here's the thing. We have now commenced the month of June, yes. and the end of this hockey season is nowhere in sight. And, and that shouldn't shock me based on the last couple of years because of in the midst of this pandemic, timing All has over the map. completely out the window. Correct. Correct. But eventually, like next year, we're going to get back to yes. a, a regular kind of season. Correct. And if we have to, if we see hockey games still being played in the last week of June, we won't. Well, I'm we not going to be happy. That's all we I'm we, say. we won't. I mean, let, let's face it. Uh, the playoffs normally start the first week of April. Started the first week in May, really this year. I mean, a, a full month late. So, it, it, well, the, the, I know, and I know the reasons and all that crap. Yeah. But but the but between the pandemic and the Olympic break, which they then used to fill up a lot of games in because they didn't go. That's, that's why we're in this predicament right now. Well, look, the, the great news is I'm at least marginally interested in these two series that are left. Uh, the Rangers are a Cinderella story and um, uh, that won't materialize. Tampa is such a good team, a chance to watch a team become a dynasty. In my view, you got to win three in a row. Mm-hmm. I do not include the Chicago Blackhawks who won three in what five years. I, I don't. I'm sorry, but Six. not a dynasty. Yeah, great team. Yeah, um, Tampa Bay becomes a dynasty if they win this year. Agreed. And Edmonton is such an intriguing story. Uh, I said at the beginning of the year, and I continue to say, Colorado will shoot itself, and they probably will do it in this series because I think Edmonton's going to win it. But what? what? I think Edmonton's going to win this series. I, I don't know how you stop those two when they're determined. And I don't, I don't, don't I really trust them. in Mike Smith, but you know, will we see another nine, six game in this series? Like we did. I think there's a good chance. We will. We might, we might. So anyway, we're going to discuss all this with our pal, Kevin weeks of ESPN, who uh, has opinions on everything. And uh, anyway, we, there's no chance he's picking the Oilers. There's no chance. Well, we'll see. Kevin Weeks, when we come back after these messages. McCowan, Shannon, back with you. Well, we're down to the final four. Finally, June, before we finally and hit the I, final come four. Come on, you know, it's a str- it's, we forget that, it, Bob, it's still a strange year. You know, we're still, you know, we got that. Not that strange. Break. It's well, not it's that strange. strange. It's been The only strange. thing that's strange is this hockey season. <laughs> Olympics, no Olympics. Well, games, no games. Part, COVID, we no forget. COVID. We're, we we still forget that we're still uh, trying to get out of this pandemic. Yeah. Well, in the midst of all this, the Rangers and Edmonton are in the final four. That's about as strange as you can get. Kevin Weeks of ESPN joins us. Which is more shocking to you, Rangers? No, I would say the Oil, and and in a good way too. It's such a huge positive for the sport, obviously, with Connor and Leon and, and you know, the resurrection of Evander Kane. And there's so many great storylines with them. But coming into this season, especially given how consistent the Flames were all year, since we're talking about the Alberta teams, the Flames were one of the best teams all year under Daryl. 
They led the league with 11 shutouts. They were solid. They played playoff hockey from basically game one all the way through until when they were eliminated at the hands of their provincial rivals. So I would say the oil is more shocking for me, but to their credit and what they've done and how they've been able to transform themselves down the stretch. Well, what was shocking to me about uh, about Calgary, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm sure pisses Daryl off no end, <laughs> is as you said, this was a team that had a bunch of shutouts, played solid defensive hockey consistently, and then gives up a boatload of goals against Edmonton. And you almost, you almost understand it, given the potential of that Oiler offense. But they just fired it up at the right time, didn't they? Timing was everything, yeah. And, and I would say this, too. I think if you look at, at the Flames, what really impressed me with them is the fact that they had guys buy in all year. And that top line literally was a collective plus 180, if I'm not mistaken, plus 180 north of that in their plus-minus rating. Forget all the offense that Johnny Hockey and Kachuk and Lindholm provided. There's that plus the fact that they did it in such a hyper-responsible way on the defensive side. And then Markstrom led the league in shutouts with nine shutouts in the regular season. So they've had jam. They had toughness. You add guys like Brandon and Zadorov. They're hard to play against. And all your points make sense. But what was wild to me is in that Battle of Alberta series, which is freaking amazing, by the way, is the fact that Markstrom, quite frankly, didn't really look like himself. And he wasn't horrible, but he, was, he wasn't even pretty good by his standards. He just didn't play well, and that kind of turned the tide for them. And the oil under Jay Woodcroft have just continued to get better and better and better. So props to them. Well, it, it, that brings up the question, Kevin, for Calgary. I know they're not in the final four, but who did play well? You know who I liked for them? I like Rasmus Anderson. Mm-hmm. I like Rasmus Anderson a lot. I think he's had a real big progression in his game. Uh, Mangiapane had a big pro- uh, progression in his game as well. Kachuk, after game two, didn't really look like himself. And I've been the biggest, and I am the biggest Matthew Kachuk advocate for sure. Uh, but you're right. As that went along, you started looking around on the ice. You're like, what happened to the fellas? Like, where did everybody go? It just seemed like they dried up at the, at the wrong time. And all the oil players led by Connor and Leon just continued to ascend at the right time. Well, you know, with 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 Daryl's you know, aggressive style, because let's face it, he's aggressive with his players. Mm-hmm. Um, 82 games in the regular season, seven games in a hard-fought series against Dallas. Mm-hmm. Were they burned out by eight, game 80, 89, or when they played Edmonton game 90? That's a fair question, because Dallas gave them all they could handle. Jake Ottinger, oh my God. Jake, Oth- Jake Ottinger had moon dust on his pads. It's like he was playing on another planet. He was so great. And they barely got by them to your point. And that is a really taxing way to play for sure. Mm -hmm. And it does beg that question. And I would say this, if anything, that's a really difficult and demanding way to play anytime, but you're right. When you combine the regular season, you combine travel being out there in Calgs, right. And being in that Pacific division. I think that that's definitely a factor because they didn't have that pop in that jam. And it looked as though board battles, net front battles, winning races to pucks into position. They were a step off in that series. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and they did have, listen, two of their top defensemen, Zadora played with three fractured ribs. Chris yeah. Tanev, I'm not sure how Chris Tanev got out of bed in the morning. Right. Uh, between everything that was going on, particularly that shoulder. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they had two of their top defensemen, not near, may, they may not have even been at 50% when they played. Um, but, but, you know, that's, that's the, that's part of the price of getting to this round totally. and paying that price, uh, in the Stanley cup playoffs in the champ in, in the conference finals. You're right. And here's the other thing about the oil. Cause you know, we both go on weekly with our guy and you're on the TV with them too. You do a ton with the oil with our man, Bob Stoffer and Bobo. Here's one thing that's really interesting is the skilled sandpaper players for the oil like Evander Kane and Zach Hyman, were absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. They were so good. They were so consistent on four checks. They forced turnovers. They had a lot of the D for Calgary. And that's with good Branson, Zadorov, and all these hard-to-play-against D. They had them looking around on the four check, and they forced a lot of those turnovers. They scored big goals. They had big hits. So that's complementing the greatness of Connor and Leon but you can't understate the value of Evander Kane and Zach Hyman and what they've meant to this Oiler group so far. 
Well, since we've talked a little bit about Calgary, before we get to the surviving four, let's talk a little bit about Carolina. Yeah. Because uh, that's, uh, <laughs> well, it's a surprise. Yeah. Um, but it's a shock to me because I didn't believe in the Rangers. Hmm. And I thought Carolina really was as good as their regular season suggested, not unlike Calgary. Hmm. But what happened to them? Fair question. Let me start by saying I think Carolina's on a really good track. My man Roddy Brindamore has done an incredible job with them and in transforming them. But the composition of their team, for me, they still need an elite goal scorer. That's me. So when Vladdy Tarasenko was available and there were some really tough feelings about some of the injuries and some of the surgeries and how that went with St. Louis, I give Doug so much credit and Chief Berube so much credit for keeping that on the track, for giving it another try. It couldn't have worked out better for Tarasenko in St. Louis, but here's where I'm going. Carolina Hurricanes needed him. Mm -hmm. They need a one-shot threat in that group, fellas. They need a one-shot threat. Not a volume shooter, but somebody that with every touch, there's a good chance that they can turn the red light on, and they don't have that. And then I would also say, too, the fact that Freddie Anderson was hurt because Freddie was – to me, if he played all year, he likely would have been a Vesna finalist. To the where he got to in the three-quarter poll, he was right there with those guys. He was outstanding, plus his ability to handle the puck. But you could, you can't, Antti Ranta, until, I mean, he, he blew his leg out, but Antti Ranta was not totally. the problem for Carolina. Totally. Antti played exceptionally well. But when you look at Igor's ability to handle the puck, and you saw it last night, mm -hmm. and you look at Freddie's ability to handle the puck, and I think Freddie's even a step above not Mike Smith level, but he's the next tier for sure. And I think his ability to get out there and handle that puck and kind of nullify the forecheck for the Rangers would have certainly helped. It's not an indictment of Ante. Ante played exceptionally well. But yeah. that's where I see Carolina right now going forward. They need a goal score or two in their group. Yeah, they, I, I mentioned it to a couple of guys last night in that they are a, they're a deep team. Yeah. But there's nobody on that roster that says, boys – I'm pulling you with me for the next game and a half. Yep. Just, you know, you know, stay, stay in my draft and we'll be okay. There's nobody that does that there. 100%. You need, it's so true. I was talking to a couple guys in the league these last two days and specifically last night post game. And they're like, who's the compass guy? Who's grabbing the, who's grabbing the game by the, by the chops and saying, okay, fellas, here, here's where we're going and here's how we're going to get there. They don't have that in their group, and it's not an indictment. They no. just don't have that personality. And the other thing for me, too, I was looking for more out of Sveshnikov. I know it's there. I was looking for more. And to his credit, for a young guy, he'll hit. He'll be physical. He's unafraid. we got to remember, he played junior in the O. Mm -hmm. He has some of that in him, but he wasn't assertive offensively. He wasn't making plays. It's like he clammed up in this round. He's still a young player with a high ceiling, but those are my things. Those are some of my, uh, some of the bugaboos of the Carolina. Well, let's take a look at these two series series that start with, um, well, Edmonton, Colorado, which goes tonight, right? Yep. Uh, game one. Yes, sir. Uh, two teams that, um, don't like each other much. Um, Hasn't, it's not the same. You can't have the same as Calgary-Edmonton in terms of a rivalry. It's one of the best in all sports. Um, although we had Ken Holland on yesterday. Uh, Ken Holland yeah, has yeah. a big rivalry with Colorado dating back to his Detroit days, right? Of course, of course. So uh, whether he instills that, I suspect he will not go down to the room and tell them stories. But uh, <laughs> most, of, most of these guys weren't born when that occurred. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, did you ever during your career have a general manager walk into the room and tell you a story before a playoff game? Uh, yeah, I, I won't get too deep into it just based on the fact that he's kind of FBI slash CIA slash Navy SEAL, but the great Lou Lamorello. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I knew you guys knew I was going to go there. Even more than the great Glenn Sather, even more than Slats, uh. I'd say Lou and uh, yeah, he, he was able to tweak us up. He was able to tweak us up quite well with some of those stories. So <laughs> I would say Lou, I would say Lou for sure. Oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> that just makes me laugh. <laughs> well, maybe who knows? Maybe Kenny will uh I don't think so. That's not doesn't... his that's not his bailiwick. No, it's not his uh, style. Really. I mean, let's let's remember the two guys you mentioned, both Sather and Lamorella, have had to go behind the bench. Oh, yeah. Certain no times in their lives to take over their well, take well over their had team. to. No, they chose to. <laughs> or well, or 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 got I pushed or got pushed by an owner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But here's the thing, right? Like I'll share this. You never knew. There's one thing to hear the story in the dressing room, right? Because that's the one thing to hear it in the dressing room. <laughs> look at look at look at the Godfather. Look at him. He's like, uh, it's one thing to hear the stories in the dressing room. It's another thing to be walking and see him basically come out from behind a pillar. To come out from behind a pillar. To be walking out on the ice for the practice ring and to see him come out from underneath the grandstand, just oh. appear out of nowhere. And just give you that little quick story, that little pop. So he was, he has an unbelievably innate sense and an ability to be able to bring those things uh, to your attention at the right time. That's the way I would phrase I st- it. I still remember when he was in Toronto, uh, uh, and I do believe it was either an important game or a playoff game. And uh-huh. uh, and uh, next thing you know, as the warm-up begins, there's Lou sitting on the bench. <laughs> and uh, actually, I remember the conversation he was sitting with Nas. Uh, and having a conversation with Kadri, uh, just as warm up is about to begin or practice is about to begin, and just yep. you know, and reminding him of a few things and just saying here this and that, and yep. that that's Lou. That's what Lou would do. Totally. I, let, let me tell you the guys this one. So I had a game. I had a game. We had a game for ESPN, uh, and it would have been February this year. So I drive down to Philly, get down the turnpike, get off the turnpike, get to the arena. I swear. So I was meeting um, one of our execs there from ESPN. So, I, you know, when you come down the ramp in Philly, the bus goes down the ramp. So they let me park back there. So I come down. I was going to go to our production truck. I swear to God, before I could even park the car, I open the door, driver's side door. I walk two steps, lose coming off the bus, off the Islander bus. Last person. Last person. Okay. He's like, hey, Kev, what's going on? And he gets into the conversation. But mm-hmm. this is the funniest thing because you never know. He's. He was like the great gazoo in uh, in the Flintstones. You just never know where he's going to pop up and what he's going to say to just give you a little tweak. So it's really funny. Really funny. So give me a general sense of this uh, Edmonton, Colorado series. Um, obviously, you believe it's going to be tight. It's going to be a war, but you never know. You would have thought Calgary Edmonton was going to go six or seven and went five. And it was pretty simple for the Oilers. Milky Way in terms of star power, box office, star power, stars on star, solar system of stars in this one. You kidding me? This is must-see TV. Watching Nate McKinnon with that V12 engine that he seems to skate with and his acceleration. Uh, of course, Rantanen, Landis Gog, Kale McCarr. And let's not forget the fact Kale McCarr and Darcy Kemper are Alberta guys. Mm-hmm. They're from Berta. Those guys are going to have a lot of pride. Not that they don't anyway, but especially in this series. And Darcy Kemper's played really well against both Alberta teams, especially this year. And he played in Red Deer and Junior. So a little extra juice for him. And the fact that their team has finally gotten to a conference final with this group. Jared Bednar has done an outstanding job with their group. They're responsible. They check well. They're physical. Their stars are physical. They're hungry. And then in the case of the oil, Jay Woodcroft and somebody I've known since we were kids back home in Toronto has had such a has had such a smooth touch and connection with this group behind the bench in game good composure in the room relationships he's done a masterful job and it's Connor the McDavid show and I'm not going to underplay Leon I know a lot of people do Leon is a maestro out there mm-hmm. on the ice as well the way Evander Kane's played absolutely amazing Zach Hyman incredible and Mike Smith's a 40-year young goalie drinking this potion that he seems to be drinking and looks and is built like he's 25. So I think it sets up to be a really entertaining series for sure. Do we make too much of Mike Smith's stick handling ability? No, <laughs> I think, you know what I like the question? Sometimes Smitty does. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Smitty, and you guys know, you've been around. Sometimes when goalies that are that super talented with handling it, Sometimes they're their worst enemy and get themselves in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Like we saw it with Tom Barrasso. 
You would see it with with Hextaller, Fuhr, and Marty and Turco because they know they can handle it probably better than maybe two or three guys that are on the defensive court playing in front of them. Mm-hmm. So they're like, ah, I'll just go out and do this myself. So sometimes they get themselves into trouble, and that's happened with Smitty a few times. But you kind of live with that risk-reward kind of ratio a little bit for sure. How, how physical do you think this series is going to be? We know it's going to be fast, but how physical is it going to be? I think it's going to be physical because Rantanen, Landeskog, McKinnon, those guys play with jam. McCarr hits people too with something that he's undervalued. Devon Tays is the best two second defenseman in the league. That's really a one, quite frankly, but he's very physical too. And then I look at the oil, the, the dimension that Evander Kane and Zach Hyman have added to this group. Zach Cassian, depending on which way his head is screwed on, depending on which way his head is screwed on, he's not what he once was in the physical department, but maybe he gets baited into being a little more physical based on what I just mentioned there. I think it will be more physical than people recognize. I don't expect it to, to bubble over, as you said, Bobcat, as much as a battle of Alberta. But given all the superstar and star power, I still think this is going to have a very physical dimension to this series for sure. Well, you as you documented, Kevin, this is a series that is filled with stars, even superstars, depending on what your the difference in your definition. Totally. I'm with but you. it is also a series filled uh, with two teams that both have had high expectations based on those stars and the ink-stained wretches and other idiots in the media (laughs) have uh, picked Colorado for a few years now. Yeah. And so what we have here is two teams that have failed. Mm -hmm. The difference is Edmonton has failed early. In other words, they haven't made the playoffs, so they got bounced out right away. Sure. Colorado has failed later. They've gone further, but have hit the brick wall. Mm -hmm. What does that mean in this series? Where's the pressure going to be? Is it greater on Colorado because of the preseason expectations and their regular season performance? Does Edmonton kind of feel like they've got, you know, a get out of jail car, a free card because even they, you you think it's, you think it's gravy now, Bob? Well, uh, it might be gravy. and, And so maybe, maybe they're, they're a lot looser. What does our guest think? What do you think, Kevin? I think you guys make great points in the fact that if I'm the oil, and I know from speaking to different people in their group, fellas, all the pressure's on them. It's all on Colorado. Remember when they had the super team, Forsberg, Sackick, Foot, Patty Waugh, Ray Bork, Rob Blake. They had all these different components of this team. Kamensky, Ozilich. This team this year had a better regular season than those cup teams. For the Avs, all the pressure's on them. We got here by playing a team game. We've gotten here by believing in each other. We got by Calgary. Nobody in the world thought we were getting by Calgary. And certainly not as easily as we did. All the pressure's on them. So let's go out and play our game. Let's play the game that we've kind of matured into. In terms of being a complete game, let's be physical but responsible. Let's check. Let's do all the things that we've started doing as the playoffs have gone along. All the pressure's on them. Uh, speaking of pressure, how much pressure do you think is on Darnell Nurse when you think about the speed of the uh, the speed of the Avalanche forwards? There'll be a lot on Darnell. We know he's a minute muncher. He plays in every situation. I'm glad that you mentioned him because he kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Every once in a while, he does. You're right. right? Yeah. Just based on all all the elements that they have going for them right now. But I love your point because that's a lot of – the one thing about the ads is they're great off the rush. But mm-hmm. as I mentioned, their forwards are good on the cycle as well. And their big boys play hard. So they'll turn the corner. They'll attack the goal line. They'll attack off the dot. They'll attack on power wraps from behind the net. So Darnell's going to be absolutely instrumental to the oil in this series. And he's going to need to be uh, – there's a lot of battles. There'll be a lot of confrontations, net front, boards, I'm glad you mentioned him. I think there's a lot of pressure on him in this series, and it's a great opportunity for him to match up against these guys for sure. Well, and and when you think, uh, Kevin, that he's uh, at the end of this contract and next year he's going to get more than yeah. $9 million, yep. uh, this, this is going to be one of those times where you say, okay, 
it is worth the $9 million or perhaps it's not. That's fair. No, that's fair because it, when, once you get into that stratosphere, right, you look at the matchups and, and to your point, we've seen what Victor Hedman does in this situation time and time again. You've seen what Chris Letang has done in this situation. Mm-hmm. Even at 37 this year, Letang had a career season, by the way, uh, in terms of points, career high. But you've seen those elite D. And uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that to me. In speaking to Jared Bednar during their first round series, Beds told me, I said, well, tell us something you don't know about Kale because he's so awesome. I remember when you first got him out of college and we were talking. He goes, you know what I said to him, Weeksy? Every single top D is a full, full D. They do everything. They kill penalties. They can be on the power play. They can match up. Mm-hmm. They're physical. I just look at them and they jump over the boards. That's what I challenged Kale McCarr with evolving into, and he's now that. So to that point, using that as kind of the benchmark, and I agree with them, that's what you're looking for in this opportunity now for Darnell. Matchup, active stick, box out around the net, intercept passes, relish those matchups to step up against the best. And, and, and you know what? His, and not to get uh, distracted by Darnell too much, but no, no, no. he'll try to do too much. He will this, try too hard. This is he will thing. be down the ice too much. And then because he's such a great athlete, he thinks he can yeah. recover quickly. Right. But this may be a series where he has to be a little more focused, a little more defensive oriented first, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to lug the puck 120 feet. You know what? And it's funny you said that because that's exactly the case with Adam Fox too. And Adam right. Fox, right? And Adam Fox, Norris Trophy winner, but not known as being the shutdown physical guy that Darnell is different players, right? Different styles of defensemen. Mm-hmm. But to your point earlier in the series against the Canes, everybody was like, what happened to Foxy? Where's Foxy? Where he was playing a conservative game. Yeah. He wasn't trying to do too much. He played within himself to your point. And as the series went along and as it continued to evolve in the series, then his game kind of evolved with that, but he didn't, he didn't have too much unnecessary risk. And here's the real key to this series and I give the Oilers a lot of credit, and this had to come from Ken Holland. The oil got to Denver early to get acclimated to the altitude. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Right? They have some, they have some travel issues too, because they they, they have to. They didn't fly nonstop Edmonton to Denver. Correct. They actually flew to Vancouver, Vancouver. on Sunday. Took right. a bus to Bellingham so that you don't have to have any yes. COVID tests done. Correct. Nobody can get pulled off. Yeah. And then they then they chartered from, from Bellingham. So it was a long travel day Sunday. But yeah, you're right. They tried to get in there a little early. Hey, before, I, I, I know we got to go to break, but no um, um, the one guy, you know, we, we, we've had Jay Woodcraft on the show. He's, he was fantastic. I, awesome. I think he's – he. tell us about Jared Bednar. What, who is – I mean, this yeah. guy's now been around a while. Yeah. I'm not sure we know him very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played against Beds back in the minors, and – um, steady D man, easy, easy demeanor about him, easy to be around, still has a lot of presence, still has command. He's a big man, big man, but doesn't try too hard, relates with people very well, very articulate guy, cerebral guy can open up. If you know, if you've got a relationship with him, he'll open up and start smiling and be a little laughy guys love playing for him. And here's the one thing that I really respect about him guys. You know how it is when you want that opportunity. We all do. We're, we're ambitious and we want it. And sometimes you get there and it doesn't go that well, right? And that's exactly what happened to him in his first gig, his first year in, in Colorado. Remember, he had just won the HL Calder Cup in Lake Erie, right? Cleveland with Columbus's HL team. And he was a- appointed as the head coach of the of uh, the Avs really late, as a late hire. And then they just seemed to be scrambling. They had 48 points. They finished with 48 points. He never sold anybody out. He was never complaining to anybody. He just took his lumps and learned as he went along. Uh, He's a very tactical coach, but also a coach that allows you to play to your strengths and a coach that people love playing for. So I give him a lot of credit. Actually, I I was one of those guys, and I think I said it, after losing to Vegas, remember they were up two and then they lost four yeah. straight to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he gave everybody, Landis Cog, Rantanen, McKinnon, McCarr, he gave everybody shit mm-hmm. publicly. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, the, I, and I thought he might've been on thin ice. I thought he might've been in trouble, but Joe gave him a vote of confidence and, and the team has responded to that. And I think they, they probably got the message of, Hey, this is the coach and you know, you guys play and this guy coaches. And that, and had not for that. And it's funny you mentioned that because had not for that, I think there could have been a power dynamic there mm-hmm. with a lot of those core players that know that they're stars and superstars that were like, whatever, it's this guy. And I give Joe credit for that. And Joe having the feel and saying, hey, fellas, like, look, no disrespect, but you guys are all great players. I was a great player. Forsberg was a great player. So-and-so, Patty, like, we came together and did things as a club and played the way we needed to play as a club to have success and to scale the mountain here twice. You guys haven't really committed to doing those things yourself. So before you go trying to put this on the coach, Mm. you guys have to look within yourselves. And here's the thing. It's not really dissimilar to what Daryl did this summer when Daryl came in. Right. Daryl's like, hey, if you guys got me off the farm, I got two of these things right here. You see these two shiny things that I won in L.A.? I got two of these. And I've been in the league for 187 years. (laughs) But I got two of these things. Hey, Johnny Hockey, what do, you, what do you got to show for? Chucky, okay, you won the Mem Cup out here a few years ago with London, but a show of hands in the room, anybody? And he just, t- same thing, he tweaked those guys. This was a completely different Calgary Flames team under Daryl this yeah. year, to their credit. And I feel like this is a different abs team now under Bednar than they were the first two years. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation. We're going to take a break first. Kevin Weeks is uh, with us. We'll be back after these messages. McCowan, Shannon, Kevin Weeks of ESPN is with us. So here's something that I think is interesting. Mm. Uh, We invariably, when you get to playoff time, there is a commonality of opinion that you better have great goaltending in order to win a Stanley Cup. Sometimes even the opinion that a goaltender will win you, will almost single-handedly win you a Stanley Cup. We know that's possible. Mm -hmm. In the Eastern Conference, I don't know if they call it that anymore. But yeah, they do. It's still East. You're on it. You're on it. Come on. Um, what, what, what do you want to call it? The Prince of Wales? Well, no, the Gary Bettman Conference or something. Oh, I don't know. There you the go. Bill oh, you're just trying to. You're just trying to brown nose at the commissioner. Come on. Uh, I care less. So uh, <laughs> we know who the, the, the probably the best goaltender in the world is in Tampa. Uh-huh. We we know that. Um, the kid in the, with the Rangers, uh, we know he's plenty good. Mm-hmm. He's, he's done enough to prove himself now. I don't think there's any question about that. Mm-hmm. What are the goaltenders like in Colorado and, um, and Edmonton? I mean, no disrespect intended. Sure. But the common, the common dialogue and message all year long has been, do they have enough goaltending to win? Mm-hmm. So do they? Yeah, let's start with let's start with Edmonton. As great as Connor, Leon, Evander, and Zach Hyman have been. If Mike Smith doesn't play the way Mike Smith can play, this series is a wrap. And I'm huh? just and that's not even stating the obvious. That's just basic fact. If he doesn't, if Smitty doesn't kick the way he can kick, this series is a wrap. Also, his ability to handle the puck, and as I mentioned, as we said earlier, if he does it with good reads and doesn't get himself in trouble, that can be advantageous to them. In the case of the Abs with the Alberta boy and Darcy Kemper, overall this year, he played well enough for them to not go out and get a goalie. In the first round against Nashville, he wasn't tested as much. I thought, in the, I thought in the next round, he played fairly well at times, give and take. But all things being equal now, that's TBD. He has the skill set. He's got the size in Darcy Kemper. He has the ability. But I'm curious to see now in this conference final if Darcy Kemper can take his game to the next level. That's what I'm curious to see. So that's a TBD for me to answer you because well, you know what you're getting from Vasilevsky. <coughs> I, I think goaltending in that, that series, the, the Colorado Edmonton series, I think go, the goaltending is even. 
Because you just don't know. Yeah. It exists to me. It's TBD. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know what I'm getting from guys. How long have we been around the game? Too you know long. what Vasilevsky has done? Think of the greats. And unfortunately, I got to play against the ones that were my childhood heroes that were the greats. Fuhr, Wah, Hashik, Brodeur, mm. Marty, Vernon, who doesn't get enough love, Ozzy. You know, there's different ones I can go to here, guys. Ole yep. Colting. And then came in and my man Luongo, Lundquist, like Flower. Guys, what Vasilevsky's done, no goalie in history has done. Six shutouts in his last seven series clinching games. Six. Mm-hmm. So I know what I'm getting out of him. And believe me, I've been in the garden enough, and I was just there the other night for game six to see Shesterkin. He's doing what my man Henrik Lundqvist is, was doing there for years, which is unprecedented. And Shesterkin's doing that right now. So all that to say, I know what I'm getting in the East. But in the West, it's, it's TBD. I'm not sure what we're going to get in the net yet. They certainly have game. They've got skill, but I'm not sure what we're going to get in the West in the net yet. Well, I'm not surprised, but you, you're you know you're essentially agreeing with my assessment of what you've got. You got two series with completely different goaltending expectations. Yes. No, question. No, right? no question. No question. And I'm going to be the first to say right now, whoever comes out of the West is going to be the underdog in all likelihood. Well. They'll be the underdog to Tampa. I don't know whether you can be the underdog to the Rangers. I don't know whether they can generate enough, even by upsetting Tampa, to make them a favorite in the final. But the goaltending is going to be a okay. big issue. Hey, look, what you're you're a big baseball guy, and, and I know we we all like baseball too. And you look at the you call it the arms race, right, for the pitchers. Well, yeah, and we always look at that every postseason in baseball, right? What's the depth of that pitching staff? Do they only have one ace or do they have two? You know, who's the third starter? What's who's the closer? Who's the middle? Like we always look at that and the pitching and and in baseball and the goaltending and hockey or quarterbacking, those things are all in the same neighborhood. And when you know, let's look at the Braves for all those years when the Braves were the Braves, even though they just had a great year. But you knew what you were getting in Maddox, you knew what you were getting in in those pitchers that they had in their group. It's the same thing. With Tampa, I know what I'm getting in Vasilevsky. The Rangers now, Shishjurkin, I know what I'm getting. But it's unclear as to what we're going to get in the West for now. Well. Now, do you you think the Rangers have, and I know you played for the Rangers, Mm -hmm. and you're loyal, you like the Rangers. Mm -hmm. Do you think the Rangers have any chance to beat Tampa? Do they have a chance? Yes. It's going to take everything out of them. And I go back to what Bobcat just said. Like, it, it will take literally everything from them to beat Tampa. And then what do they have left if they get through them? Yeah. Like, Tampa, guys, Coop and the staff there have done such an unreal job. And remember, we were just talking about this with Colorado and selling their guys on playing a complete game. What do you, I mean, look at what Coop's done there in their group. You see these guys racing to block shots. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about Sorelli, Kalorn. I see Stammer, even through all the injuries, and glad he's back and had an amazing year. Stammer racing to block shots. Kucherov, there's different Braden Point. These guys are – so to me, Tampa has that recipe. They're hyper-committed. They know they're on the verge of something completely unprecedented in sports, certainly in a cap era with the opportunity to three-peat. And for the Rangers, it's going to have to – I don't want to say they have to play a perfect game because it's a game, but they're going to have to play as close to perfect as possible for them to have a shot. And all that to say, guys, and I'm going to break it on your show here. I'll break it, but I'll say this on your show. I got the Rangers in seven. You do? Oh, my goodness gracious. I had the Rangers in seven over Carolina. I think Linda Cohn and maybe another person. And, and, yeah, but she's, and, she, and, she's, I know, she's a diehard Ranger I, I totally fan. know. I totally know. But it, but if you're going up against Carolina the way they played the last several years, most people figured, okay, that Rangers are still too inexperienced. It's going to be Carolina that's going to win mm-hmm. that series in six. 
well, if they're hot, really five. And they showed a lot of resilience. So to me, I've, I've got the Rangers. I got them in seven. But Tampa's a standard. They're going to have to play a perfect game to beat them. Well, um, I don't know if you have a mortgage or not, but I do. (laughs) And I'd be happy to wager it against you. (laughs) The reason the the lights are on 24 hours in Las Vegas is because of guys like you. (laughs) What's the interest rate? What's the interest rate? (laughs) There is no. And it is in Canadian funds, too. I was going to say. There's always a chance, but. You're talking about, you know, you gave the speech and the speech was accurate. Yeah. This is a team that does not panic, that does, that knows who it is. I cited the case and Shannon will forgive me, maybe, because it's probably the third or fourth time I've mentioned this. Game, oh, no, one let me get, let me get game one against the Maple Leafs. They were down <laughs> five, nothing. And John Cooper's behind the bench, hands in his pocket saying, hey, what, me worry? <laughs> It's a picture. It's a photograph that I will remember forever. Oh, good. And we've had Cooper on the show and he's cool. He's calm. He's the best coach in hockey. He's built a team and we can go into all the the, look. I just think they're unbeatable against the Rangers. By the The way, Kevin have, have almost no experience at anything like this. And they've got, you know, the goaltender has been fantastic, but he's never been in this kind of situation. Yeah. And I think you're out. You're out to lunch. By the way, Kevin, the that whole thing with Cooper behind the bench in Game One against the Maple yeah. Leafs. When you're on with Scott Van Pelt, yeah, you can use that. You can use that video and saying I was talking to credit. some friends. No, you can't. You're not get getting credit. credit. Nobody. No, you're not I'll, watching. I'll slide him. I'll no, slide him. Nobody knows who McCowan is in America. I'll, um, I'll slide him. They sure, <laughs> as, they sure <laughs> as shit don't know who you are. It's I never. It's well, the one uh, thing. It's going to cost you a Swiss chalet. By the way, done. Oh, no. Easy. It's gonna cost you a Swiss chalet, quarter chicken white with fries and gravy. So I'm gonna tell you that right now. Hold on. Um, gravy. Get you a Toblerone bar on the, Hold on. the road. Gravy instead of the chalet sauce. Both. I go with both. <laughs> That's why I added the gravy. So, but, well, I go with both. Before I go to lunch here, because I'm getting now I'm getting hungry. Um, uh, you, you mentioned a couple of guys that I think are the real yeah. difference makers for Tampa. And that's why, I, I mean, I can't see Tampa lose. I, I, yeah. I can't. Uh, Anthony Cirelli, all he does is win. Love that's all him. he does. Since all he Mem- does is oh, win. Since the Mem Cup. A- Alex Kalorn, all oh. he does is win. Love him. So, so, so the depth, and now you, look what uh, Nick Paul has come in. I see Brandon Hagel skated today. I mean, all of a sudden, Tampa's depth that we said we're there, they're never going to be able to replace it. Tampa's depth has made a huge difference again, player again for this team. Player evaluations, boys, player evaluations. And it's an inexact science. And, you know, we're dealing with people that have real life, real life, life factors, right? Health, well-being, family, family's health, all these different factors, psychological, everything, physical. But Tampa, to me, over the years in this era have done such an outstanding job of identifying players and people in those roles Mm -hmm. that other people often overlook and undervalue the intangible pieces. Like you mentioned, Alex Kalorn out of Harvard, Sorelli out of Erie and Oshawa back home and winning the Mem cup, Uh, Andre Palat, so many of those Nick Paul out of back home who anybody could have had from Ottawa on a cheap number that broke the Leafs hearts which don't ask me why, but in the broadcast, nobody mentioned from back home in T.O., a T.O. kid that came home and broke the Leafs' hearts. Uh, so, so they've done a, an outstanding job. Scory Perry, as I used to call him when he's in Anaheim. Tampa recognizing what he still brings to the table, bringing him in. Coop leaning on his relationship with Patty Maroon since their days in St. Louis. Bring him well, before in. that, junior, junior, tier, tier two, junior, tier two, junior, yeah, and has the opportunity for him to, to four Pete, mm-hmm. be the only person on the planet out of eight billion people to four Pete with a Stanley Cup. Those intangible pieces, Bobcat, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, I think that they've done the best job at that. And quite mm-hmm. frankly, I feel like those have been blind spots. Okay, so you can problems. change your opinion. You you you, 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 you said you're still saying Rangers in seven. But let me get this in before we before we finish, because now all of a sudden you guys are hungry. I got you thinking about Swiss Chalet and everything else. 
here's something. And I know you guys love the sports side of the business, as do I. You know, I do too. I spoke to Benny Allaire the other night after the game, somebody that we both know really well, Godfather. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to Benny the other night after the game. And I told him after that game six, Benny, if I'm Mr. Dolan, you get a blank check. <laughs> Because what you did with Henrik for 15 years, which enabled the garden to be able to do a reno of a billion dollars, all those playoff games, all that revenue, and what you're doing with this kid now on the heels of Henrik, incredible. And if I'm Mr. Vinick of Tampa, my other buddy, Fran Jean, who's Tampa's goalie coach out of New Brunswick, France, uh, Montreal slash New Brunswick, for him to develop Vasilevsky and Vasilevsky to become what he is, yeah. both those owners, and I have so much respect, blank check for both those goalies. Those Benoit, goalies. Benoit Allaire, if you look at Benoit Allaire, who is the goalie coach, a goalie consultant coach for the Rangers, yeah. you look at the people he's influenced in the National Hockey League, not oh, just yeah. on the Rangers. Totally. Sean Burke at the top Big of the list. Time. And then the people that Sean Burke taught. They all got taught the Allaire system. Including Mike Smith. Including Mike Smith. That's right. I mean, it, it, it's uh, Benoit Allaire is as underrated a person in the game today at any coaching position, period. period. Yeah. And, and let me tell you something. At the Garden now, you guys remember when the, the sweet number back home in Toronto, maybe Montreal, New York, maybe Chicago, the sweet number for playoff revenue was like $5 million a game? You remember that? Everybody, oh, they do $5 million. Well, in the playoffs, they do. We could bump that up to now about seven at the Garden. In today's economy. Might, might even be a bit more. Right? Might even yeah. be a bit more. Might be yeah. a bit more. And for that reason, boys, if I'm if I'm Mr. Dolan or if I'm Mr. Vinnick, when I look at what those two goalie coaches have done for the program and what it means in the value of the franchise, the success, of course, all the monetary fruits that come with it, it's a blank check for me for both those, those gentlemen. Blank check. Name the price. We got to get out of here, but I got a couple very quick things before sure. we go. No worries. With the greatness of the individual talent in the, the Colorado-Edmonton series, mm. do you think that will register in America? Yes, I think so. I think it's going to because, honestly, guys, like even we've done a lot of stuff on ESPN recently to really showcase what Connor has been doing and, and Leon has been doing. and It's been on SportsCenter three, four, five times a day. I was on Outside the Lines the other day. I know TNT has that series, and they're going to do their their fine job of, of highlighting and showcasing that. I think it's massive. I think it's definitely going to take hold here, for sure. All right. And you've already foolishly taken the Rangers in the East. Uh, who are you going to take in the West? I take the oil in seven. Whoa. Wow. We're going to cl- – we'll call that the Glenn Sather series, that Stanley Cup final. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Correct. That's the Slat series. Yeah. Totally. That is the slats. That's the slats <laughs> series for sure. No doubt. I, I, again, I know so much of it rides on Mike Smith and so much of it is predicated on the Rangers inexperience and young players uh, being able to play in their perfect game to beat Tampa, which is the standard, but uh, I'm, I'm going on the long shots. I'd say both of those two teams in seven oil and Rangers in seven. We will see starting tonight, Mr. Weeks. It is always our pleasure. We uh, so have, much, have, have fun this round and don't forget there's still another one to go. But in, and that, that's when Kevin will remind you about his trip to Swiss Chalet, Bob. So, yeah, well, <laughs> Bob's I'll paying, be, by the way. One of us will be reminding sure the Bob's other. Paying. Bobcat's paying. <laughs> Swiss Chalet ain't no problem, pal. <laughs> Bob, Bob only goes to places you need reservations. I mean, <laughs> I'll get a reservation at Swiss Chalet. You oh, just watch. You know okay. a guy. You know a person. And, <laughs> and Shannon, no mooching a ride either. I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. Uh, uh, weeks, we love you. See you, pal. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, boys. Thanks so much for having me on, Jets. I always love coming on, man. Thank you for having me. We'll we'll wrap it in a moment. But we are back, and uh, our thanks to Kevin for so uh, uh, so weeks picked both dogs. That's as good as that's that's as good as I know about gambling, right there. Oh, dogs, two dogs, the underdogs, Edmonton in seven, he says, and Rangers in seven. Yeah. I think Edmonton has a better chance of winning their series than the Rangers do theirs. The Rangers have no chance. 
Yeah, I don't think so. I, <laughs> I think they have no chance. I mean, yeah. I feel, I, I must say this. You know, I, I have no love affair with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but every time I've watched, well, all the games, the next series after the Leafs series, Tampa was so comfortably dominant. Um, and I think they'll be comfortably dominant over the Rangers and then probably will win the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup in a similar fashion. And you're going to look back at the Toronto Maple Leafs and say, well, they, they got beat in the first round, but so, so that you're they predicting gave them a, a battle. You're predicting a dynasty. I'm, oh, yes, I'm predicting a dynasty. Yeah. Wow. And, so, uh, and, 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 and I'm a fan of that dynasty because I, 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 I admire that team so much. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, their their players at key positions have been like particularly in the Florida series. Everything, you know, Vasilevsky's great, Hedman, Kucherov, Stamkos, and uh, and they have so much depth. It's it, it's really quite impressive. And here here's here's the fascination for me. This you know the the awards. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky's not even one of the finalists for for the Vezina Trophy. That only demonstrates once again. No, no, but it was the general managers. The stupidity, well, the stupidity of hockey people. But well, you know, vote, you voted on the regular season. You didn't vote on the playoffs. But well, Vasilevsky could still win the Conn Smite. So, oh, is that your defense? Because you have a defense against defense. everything that I, I suggest is wrong with the National Hockey League. Is that that's it? That's your defense. It was only the regular season. Well, that's but that's did he start those the are the rules. Like, did he look like the best goaltender in the game? Would you have taken anybody else over him? Oh, hey, Jack Campbell had a better start. Your buddy Jack Campbell. Who cares about a better start? Okay, That's another argument altogether. We'll have that tomorrow. We got to get out of here. Goodbye, everybody.